0: Hey, good morning. Welcome to Kessid. If you are new, my name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here. I, uh, I want you to know that uh, you're the very first service that uh, Chandra has ever introduced herself as a pastor to. That happened, that happened here in this service. So can we just, yeah. I asked her to do it on Thursday and she said no. And, and, and I was like, why not? She's like, it just has to feel natural. And so apparently you're the natural feeling service. So how, how good is that? How good is that? We're excited for her and for Bern and uh, the other uh, people that uh, were licensed, uh, Kip. It's just a really neat season here uh, at Kesed. Um, so Kesed is a place for, uh, we say people who are spiritually curious, but what we really mean is it's a place for people who are on a journey, a place for people who are willing to uh, walk out their faith and ask hard questions and maybe even doubt, maybe have some frustration with the church, or even with God, and a place where we can still come and learn and be connected to one another, and our hope is more and more connected to Him. Uh, we are in a series right now called Forts, and uh, it looks a little childish on stage because that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Uh, we're doing this with our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our college ministry. Across the board, the whole church is just uh, is learning to play again, learning to build friendships, and so the The theme around forts was this idea that that we all build uh, forts with our friends as kids. And so what if we started to do that again? Now, uh, I want to show you in just a second, I have a video for you of uh, our young adult group and the fort that they built. But before I do, uh, a couple quick announcements. First, uh, I want to talk about the worship night that's going to be tonight here at uh, 6 o'clock. We're going to take all the equipment and put it down on the floor. We're going to set up all the chairs in a round. We're going to have a baptism tonight, we're going to have a communion station, we're going to have a prayer wall, and we would love for you to come back and uh, just sit and be ministered to, or come and raise your voice. Uh, we would just love for you to, to, to take some time and, and worship God. Uh, we also will have children's ministry, so uh, if you want to bring your kids, that's great as well. So that was important. And then the other thing, because I told you I would uh, give you fair warning, this next weekend, Thursday and Sunday, uh, is our breakup Sunday. So if you got those friends... If you got those friends, you thought I was joking, but we're not. We don't. We don't pull punches here. If you got those friends that you're just like, they need to hear this hard talk. Uh, bring them to next week. But I'm just here to remind you, it will also be hard for you because we have to decide as people that we're gonna relationally engage with with why we're in some of these relationships. It should be a really fun weekend. Uh, but but uh, you know, if you just got some people, you just don't know how to how to let down easily. Bring them to church and. I'll let them down gently for you. (laughs) Uh, I made a joke, I think, I think only on one or two services like a couple weeks ago that we were going to give red bandanas to everybody that we were going to be broken up with, you know, just like, oh yeah, everybody at our church wears these, and I just have nothing but got pictures all week of people wearing red bandanas (laughs) all week long, so I just, I think you guys are taking it serious. Um, uh, as I said, uh, the idea around forts is that we, we play with our friends, that we play in community and that we learn what it means to, to be in, uh, in intimate relationships and connected to other people. So our young adult group, uh, on their young adult night built a huge fort at the house of our hosts, Monty and Ryan Wade. Uh, I want to show you this video. I also want to say, uh, they had some technical difficulties right at the beginning so don't stare at our sound guy as if he needed to figure it out. Uh, it's, it's just the video, folks. So just just relax. He's, 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 he's like, they're going to think it's me. Like, no, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. So, uh, so uh, please watch and uh, enjoy the video. Hi, Kesset family. I'm Auntie. And I'm Ryan. We're the Young adult Leaders here at Kessit.
1: okay guys young adult sports all done come on in and see
0: but we forgot one thing We just appreciate uh, our young adult group. Uh, if you are interested in being a part of that, there's information at the Welcome Center out back. Uh, it's, a, it's an open group. It's, it's a lot of fun and uh, it's growing leaps and bounds. So uh, now's a great time to get connected. Okay, so today uh, we're going to talk about a really important ingredient for all of us in this room to grab hold of, at least according to scripture, if we want to have relationships with other people that are healthy. Today we're going to talk about compassion. And there's a lot of different angles you can take when it comes to teaching on compassion. I know because I've taught on it quite a bit, but I've not quite seen it like I'm I'm going to teach it here today. So first, let me give you a, a couple of my favorite definitions of the word. Compassion is the daily practice of recognizing and accepting our shared humanity so that we treat ourselves and others with loving kindness and we take action in the face of suffering. Another definition says compassion is a virtuous response that seeks to address the suffering and needs of a person through relational understanding and action. What the majority of the definitions that we're using today kind of lean into when describing compassion is that it always includes action. It's different than uh, many other emotions in that way. It's not just a feeling. For you to be compassionate involves doing so here's what i'm going to do today i'm going to use these definitions and then i'm going to tell a story in the bible with the theme of compassion which illustrates how important it is in all of our friendship building and even how compassion often is the very fuel that we burn when uh when building relationships with the people in our lives now here's the thing about time we read the bible uh, Especially common stories or or stories that are told often, like the one we're going to talk about today. You have to really allow yourself to reframe the story from where you're at in your life right now. This is one of the most beautiful things about the Bible, I think, that people don't, don't understand still to this day, is they read it, and they read it from one perspective that they were taught years and years ago in Sunday school, or even by me two years ago. And then there's no other fresh perspective anytime they read it. They're like, oh, this story's about that, or this story's about that. I want to give you an illustration today as we read this around how Bible stories can come alive when we allow them to sit from a perspective or speak from a perspective that we are living in right now. So the perspective I want to put into the room is a compassionate one. That's how we're going to read this Bible story. Also, the other part you're supposed to play when reading the Bible and uh, this is something else we're going to do now, is be considering, as the story is shared, which person you most relate to. Which person is is closest to dealing with what it is that's going on in your life right now. Now, in order for it to be a little fresher than uh, maybe normal, uh, I'm going to add my own uh, perspective and my own uh, sense to this story. The story starts like this. Once there was a group of friends. They each knew each other well because they had lived a lot of their lives together. Within that group of friends, there was a man who struggled. In this particular story, that man struggled with paralysis. We don't know how this happened. The Bible doesn't say. could be something that happened to him, a sickness or an accident, or maybe he was just born like that. We honestly don't know. Either way, one evening, this group of friends is hanging out. And they are talking about the same thing everybody else is talking about. And that, of course, is Jesus. They have been hearing about him for months. They heard about a story that happened in a neighboring city. That story is in Luke 4.40. And it says this. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. Him being Jesus. Jesus. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. This story spread throughout the region. And of course, these friends are talking about somebody they knew maybe that was there and the way in which it happened. Someone else brought up the story that happened in Luke 5, 12, and 13. While he, again Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And the friends all said, what happened next? And the one friend knew he had him at that point, so he paused a little longer than he should have. <laughs> it says Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And someone said, and? And the leprosy left him. You are kidding me. No, this is what happened. I'm telling you, I had a friend who was there. Did you hear about the guy with the withered hand? Withered hand? You mean old wither, withered hand from the city next door? Yeah, you know him. Withery Will is what they called him back then. <laughs> you know what happened to Will? Well, Jesus saw him and, and, and they had a conversation and suddenly Jesus said, stretch out your hand, withery Will, and his hand became Fresh and new. And they were like, this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. Didn't that one even happen on Sabbath? It did. This Jesus doesn't care about any of the rules. He's a rebel. But I like him. Someone else chuckled. Someone else smiled. And they went on with their evening. Now on this night, one of the friends, he had an idea. Something he's been thinking about for a while. And this is going to be our first character I want to introduce into the story and we're going to call him the initiator. We all grew up with somebody like this or maybe we were the person like this. Somebody that in the group always got everyone else into trouble. You know who this person is? You know who they are, yeah. Someone who was like, I got an idea and everybody went, oh come on. The initiator looks over across the room at his paralyzed friend who's just kind of participating in the conversation. We'll call his friend uh, Matt, because the Bible says that he was restricted to a mat. And I just figured that's an easy name to... <laughs> hey, Thursday said it would be fine, okay? I asked. I asked. I took a church vote whether or not I could do Matt, and people said it would be fine. So if you have a problem, you need to come to Thursday and tell those folks. But it's a great, it's a great name for Matt, because he's, he's stuck on a mat for this part of the story. Anyhow... <laughs> ooh, Thursday. Anyhow, the initiator looks at his friend, and this is what he says. This is what he says. He he says, we should carry Matt to see Jesus. And the room goes quiet. Now there's at least three other people in this friend group, the Bible says. And after some light debate, they decide they'd like to help. So we're going to call these other people in the room the helpers. This is how I see the group of friends we are going to read about in Mark chapter 2. Now, you may say, well, you've really taken some generous liberties in your setting up of this story. And yes, maybe I have. But here's why. I want to remind myself that the people in the Bible are just as human as I am. From their weaknesses, mistakes, failures, and insecurities, all the way to their passions, hopes, and dreams, they are just like you and me. These stories in the Bible just don't all of a sudden happen. They're not just one-dimensional characters that are living their lives and then all of a sudden do something so that it could be written down and recorded to bless your life 2,000 years later. These are people that had discussions. These are people that put plans in place. These are people that took risks. These are people that wrestled just like you and me. And it is our job to see them inside the full color of their humanness. Not just in the text as characters for us to study. But to understand that these sorts of conversations happened because that's how humans work. From inside their humanness, these friends see another friend who is in need and decide to act. This is not out of pity or self-righteousness or duty or self-focus or a desire for praise. Nobody's recording this and putting it on social media. It's just them in their room, having a discussion, and it's all happening out of compassion. I love this quote about it. Compassion is fueled by understanding and accepting that we are all made of strength and struggle. No one is immune to pain or suffering. Compassion is not a practice of better than or I can fix you. It's a practice based in the beauty and pain of shared humanity. That's what these friends are experiencing. They're experiencing the the suffering of another human that they love and they've decided that they want to do something about it. So back to our story. It's here they decide not to just act haphazardly, but to put together a plan. See, this group of friends knows that Jesus will be back in their hometown soon because their hometown of Capernaum happens to be the home base for Christ's new movement. He returns there often. And when in town, he always stays with the same people. This is the place he actually calls home. These people, the ones who are uh, taking care of Jesus and putting him in their home, these are the last characters in the story, and we will call them the hosts. They are the people who have been deeply moved by the mission of Christ to seek and save the lost, and so routinely provide a space for Christ and his movement. And this is where the text picks up. Mark chapter two, verse one. And when he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, the friends, the initiators, and the helpers to the host where Jesus was. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed, or most versions say the mat, on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. The first thing I want you to consider in the story with a viewpoint of compassion is what, uh, what kind of compassion and what level of compassion do you have to have to bring your friend to a stranger's house, realize you can't accomplish the plan you want, regroup, and then decide, let's get some hammers, let's get a pick, and let's tear a roof in these fools' home. <laughs> let's just, let we got to get in there. What, what sort of... <laughs> Like, what sort of afternoon is this where you set down, Matt, and you're like, don't worry, we'll be right back. And then you climb up on the roof and just start picking through the, the, you know, the shingles or the straw or the wood or whatever the substrate is that is keeping uh, you from your goal of presenting your friends to Jesus. I'm just going to say it because it's a little on the nose. But some of you, you know you are supposed to be doing this for some friends in your life. You know it. You're supposed to be showing up in a way that that to everyone maybe around you kind of looks a little uh, irregular. But you are supposed to show up and love them differently. I want to point out in this story that it says Jesus was preaching. Uh, As someone who speaks for a living, I know distractions and I just want to tell you that if somebody started tearing a hole in the top of our, our church during a message, or if I was at a house sharing and someone started tearing a hole in the roof, I, I probably would stop. I would probably stop the hole. I would look at the host. I would be concerned as they were like, what's happening to my home? All I wanted was a little worship night. Like I would, I would be managing it, but apparently Jesus is just good with it, probably because Jesus knew what was going on. And he was like, and that's why we need to love each other and have compassion. Q-pick. Boom. And everybody looks, and Jesus is like, I wonder what that is. He would have known this story's happening. He didn't shut it down. He didn't stop it. He just let them keep digging. No one knows what he said to the crowd in order to calm them why this happened. But it's quite obvious that it did. Also, I want you to notice next who Jesus addresses once the man on the mat is lowered down into his presence whose faith he notes as significant it says and when jesus saw their faith not matt's faith not the crowd's faith not the host's faith but those who brought him the helpers and the initiators who were looking down through the hole they had just dug their faith their faith forgave matt's sins The question becomes obvious. Why did Jesus recognize the faith of the friends as reason for this man's forgiveness? And I think this is a prophetic statement. I think Jesus already knew what was going to happen next. What the fruit of this compassionate act would yield. And so he's telling them, watch. And the passage continues in verse 6. Now some of the scribes were sitting there. Questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sons are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. This line, so that they were all amazed and glorified God. This line, this is the profound moment that Jesus was referring to earlier when he said, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is recognizing that the man who would be healed would have faith, but it would take the compassion of his friends to get him there. Now, I don't know who the friend is that God's laying on your heart right now, the person that you know that God wants to speak to wants, to, wants to radically love, the person that you know that you're just trying to figure out how to not tear a hole in the relational world that you live in, yet this passage is clearly telling you that maybe that's exactly what you're supposed to do. I don't know who that person is that you're pondering, but I know that your job may be to compassionately love them, pull them, lift them, and lower them into the presence of Jesus so that they can experience this kind of transformational love. Now, I'll get a little bit more tender in a room this size. You actually might be that friend. You actually might be the person that, the people you're sitting next to right now or some other people in your life, maybe they're not even in this part of the country. But they have been praying for you. They have been ministering to you. They have been encouraging you. And every time you you try to protect yourself by patching up the hole relationally in the ceiling of, of, you know, your own safety and security, they continue just to rip it right off with, yeah, I know, I know those excuses, but I love you anyways. And maybe today, maybe today is your lowering. Maybe today is when you get to meet that Jesus that so many people have been praying for that you would see, so that you could love, so that you could feel the lightness of the burden that he carries, so that you could know his ever-healing touch. We don't have enough relationships like this. We don't have enough roof-tearing kinds of friends. And I think the reason that we don't have them is because nobody wants to be reminded that they're just as human as everybody else. From their weaknesses, mistakes, failures, and insecurities, all the way to their passions, hopes, and dreams, nobody wants to really think and consider themselves another person on the path to meet Jesus. And yet, it's the very ingredient that we all need to add to our lives. Pema Shodron, who is not a Christ follower, and yet has unbelievable understanding of this word, which is why I think it's so universal, so spiritual, and so powerfully gifted from God, says this about compassion. When we practice generating compassion, we can expect to experience our fear of pain. Compassion practice is daring. It involves learning to relax and allow ourselves to move gently toward what scares us. In cultivating compassion, we draw from the wholeness of our experience, our suffering, our empathy, as well as our cruelty and terror. It has to be this way. Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. And only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared community. Have you faced your own darkness? Have you faced what paralyzes you? What keeps you locked to the mat? Have you faced the thing inside your life that you are seeking healing for? Because it is only once you can own, once I can sit in, once I can embrace these things about my story, Can I look into the eyes of another and embrace that in their story? That's what's so very important about compassion. It is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between the, the equals, the human condition. It's a relationship between you and I on the same journey, doing the same thing, trying to figure out how to get to Jesus, even if you don't know you're trying to get to Jesus. I don't need you to understand that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that this ingredient, this ingredient is what people need to see oftentimes first before they even see Jesus. Because I believe this is where he is working, perhaps mostly today. I asked earlier, who are you in the story? Maybe some of that answer depends on your current season. Perhaps you are being called to initiate. You are being called to to put an an action plan together to risk some new relationships. You need to get with that group and say, I got an idea. And you need to just let them eye roll it out. Because you know if it's that same group of friends, they're going to be like, oh, here goes Danny again. But that's what God's called you to do, so maybe you're supposed to do it. Or maybe you're being asked to help. To be a carrier of others to use the gifts that God has given you to do good in this world, to take action in this world in the name of compassion and ultimately Christ. Some of you, you're built to be hosts. You're built to hold spaces for Jesus to do his movement. This uh, reminds me of uh, the the people who gave the $30,000 match for us to finish the downstairs. The whole bottom third of our, our building is still in 1955, and we need to get it finished for all the children, frankly, that we have here, because you won't stop bringing them. So we're just, <laughs> we're, it's, it's wonderful, but we don't, we don't have enough space. And so we're like, what are we going to do? And someone's like, I will give up to this much money if other people will contribute. It's a very host move. Some of you are made to do that. You're made to inspire You're made to hold these spaces. But one character in this story has nothing to do with the season of life. You see, when you look at all the quotes and you look at all the evidence and you look at the scripture, it becomes clear. I don't believe you can offer compassion to another without first receiving it yourself. And that's why the man on the mat is a representative of us all. He's not confused what's happening and why. Consider, though, to be someone who's willing to embrace their own darkness, if you will, their own stuff, their condition, if you will. Consider them saying, Matt, today's the day. We're going we're to do this. Jesus is here. And he looks around and he realizes he's going to have to be dragged out into the city and exposed. And so they pick him up, and they take him out, and they walk however long it is till they get to the house. And the whole time, I'm sure he's saying, guys, this is a lot, and I'm appreciative. But, but maybe, you know, I, I don't know, there's, there's people staring at me, and maybe this is uncomfortable. Or maybe even worse, what if it doesn't work? And yet, he's with them. They get to the house, and the crowd is full, and I'm sure if I was Matt, I would be like, look, we tried. It was a great try. I've lived this way for years or most of my life. Let's just, let's just go back. But there are friends who have great compassion upon him, and action is required within compassion, and so they say no. They have a conversation. They find a the ladder. <laughs> they start digging. Matt hears them Digging. And then he hears the Messiah who's preaching inside stop. How profound is it to realize that the condition of Matt caused the Messiah, the God of all, to stop and pause and wait for him? I think God is still doing this right now. But we don't want to expose our condition. We don't want to rely on our friends. And we certainly don't want to show up in a situation where maybe God won't move. Eventually, they drag him up on the roof, as I said. They say, Matt, we're going to lower you down now. We've tied ropes to each of the corners. And they begin to lower him down through the roof. Have you ever considered in this story the perspective of this man, that as that man is being lowered into the presence of Christ, he is not looking upon the face of Jesus. He is looking back up into the compassionate faces of his friends. He can't see Jesus beneath him. He can just see the tear-filled faces of his friends as they are lowering him as one down into the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I don't know a better picture of what compassionate, Christ-following people are supposed to do. And yes, that does mean for a season, sometimes the only Jesus they see is the one in your face and mine. They lower him down further and further until eventually he lands on a table or perhaps on the floor because they moved it out of the way. And Jesus replaces those friends as he steps over him, revealing what ultimate compassion looks like. I believe it's the people who are willing to live this way that both receive and offer compassion without excuse it's people who are willing to recognize it was not by their own doing or their behavior or their choices none of that is what is what brought you into the place of receiving the compassionate love of Christ Jesus just loves you as you are with whatever stuff you brought in and I believe if we can do that we can build forts of empathy for ourselves and for others all along the way, but it can't start with you deciding that you're gonna go out and do something for somebody else. It has to start with you deciding that you are gonna receive the compassionate love of God in your life. It has to start somewhere in our city, in this neighborhood. We have to decide. We have to decide. that that it's more, that Jesus is more, and that you and I, we are all of these characters in different places and in different seasons. We are being carried. We are helping. We are initiating. We are hosting. And I think compassion begs us to answer the action-based question of which one are you supposed to be right now? Who are you inside this story? And where is the fort of empathy that you are allowing yourself to live in and building for others along the way? It's this grateful place that we get to sit. It's this grateful place that we get to offer as equals, all journeying together toward the ultimate healing presence of Jesus. We've been giving a lot of people time to process in this series because this friend stuff has hit us uh, a lot harder than I anticipated. There's a lot more woundings around it than I realized, a lot more fear, a lot more uh, concern And so we've been creating spaces like the one we're doing right now for you to just just sit with some of these questions or sit in silence. Spaces for you to ask God what it is he wants to awaken within you, who it is he's brought into your life that you're supposed to act upon or receive empathy from, and where it is he wants you to go next with it all. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna create a space for you to do that. My hope is that you receive more today. That it's not about the message or the songs. That you receive something from Jesus who is looking over your life with empathy and love and compassion. Let's pray. Lord, in a room like this, there's just too many facets to cover, too many spaces to speak into. It's just, it's impossible to do it well, but I know that you can because you see it all. You understand the things that are keeping us tied down or tied up, the memories that are somehow steering us from the full potential of our love and our compassion. And so Lord, I just want to sit in this moment right now. I just want to sit with you. I want to ask where it is you are asking me to go. How it is you are asking me to act. What kind of person am I supposed to be? What kind of dad am I supposed to be? What kind of mother? What kind of friend? What kind of coworker? Whether I am helping or initiating or hosting or being carried, Lord, may my life be earmarked by compassion. May it not just be something that I hear about on a Sunday morning. Instead, may it be something that changes my heart, the way I live, the way I see this world, and the way I move throughout it. I pray you would minister to us now As we sit in this this grateful posture of receiving your compassionate love.
1: Nothing new. How could I express? except for a heart singing hallelujah hallelujah i've got one response i've got just one move and with my arms stretched wide stand together as we sing this out as a church family this morning, okay? Come on, my soul. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. Because you've got a lion inside. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Live to be your song. Cause you got a morning with us. We look forward to seeing you tonight, hopefully for the worship night at six o'clock. If not, have an awesome week, and we will see you next week.